This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, brought to you by Axio Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. This is Jake Burns, writer at the OBR and host of Browns Film Breakdown, coming at you guys, preparing for week eight. We all got through the bye week. It was a much needed bye week, based on where the Browns were situationally, the disappointing two and four start. I hope everybody has had a chance to unplug. Um, you know, get away from the frustration of the last few Sundays and games that the Browns could have and should have won. Hope you had a relaxing weekend, but it is back to the grind. And unfortunately, with the turn of the page in the second part of the season, you run into none other than the 7-0 and New England Patriots. And a daunting task it is, but nonetheless, the Browns have to get up, get ready to go, put their pants on, put their shoulder pads on, put their helmet on, and go out there and play just like the New England Patriots do. Yes, they're seven and zero. They're 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 playing as good as foot you know as good a football as anybody in the NFL has started through seven games. But but do I do remind you? And I've been you know very vocal on Twitter, probably too vocal pumping these guys up. But do remember that they have not played very good schedule. You know, for in terms of teams on the schedule, it has been. Um, pretty soft. They started with Pittsburgh, who's at full strength. Uh, you know, first game for Pittsburgh without Antonio Brown, and they routed him. They 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 certainly, um, you know, 33-3 put it on him. That was probably their toughest opponent in terms of sheer offensive firepower, that Pittsburgh team. They've also played Miami, the New York Jets twice, once with Luke Falk, the Washington Redskins, and the New York Giants. Their only really tough game, which was a 16-10 win, um, came against Buffalo. And Buffalo has, who the Browns will play later in the year, one of the best defenses in the league, right behind New England in terms of sheer talent, scheme, all the above. So, yeah, New England 7-0. Yeah, they're setting you know record paces for defense and what their defense is doing and how they're dominating teams and you know creating turnovers. 18 interceptions, just one touchdown allowed in the passing game, only two touchdowns allowed. In the run game, they've only given up three total touchdowns on the season, which is pretty remarkable. But do understand that they haven't played anybody with the offensive firepower the Browns have. So, you know, look, there, there are loopholes in the Browns' offense that New England can certainly take advantage of. There's no doubt about that. Teams across the, you know, the league here in the first six games the Browns have played have done that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that Cleveland is automatically going to forego any opportunity in which to beat these guys 
or at least play that defense tough. So, you know, we'll dive into some of that uh, X and O's uh, personnel stuff, but, um, you know, with our guests later. But, I, I, I you know, it, look, New England has a ridiculously impressive home record, you know, ridiculously impressive halftime lead record um, for finishing games, and their 19 straight wins against first- or second-year quarterback. The, the odds couldn't be any more stacked against Cleveland going into this game. But, you know, there's cliches upon cliches about, you know, you play the game for a reason, and any given Sunday, all of those things apply here. So I do hope that Cleveland, the Browns, understand that, you know, New England is a, a sum better than the individual parts. If you put individual players next to each other between the two rosters, Cleveland probably has the better overall roster. But New England has a system, and they have a coaching staff that is effective in teaching that system. And there's a belief within New England that you're just not going to lose. So the Browns have to find a way to someday claim that belief, someday get where New England is. That's the hope, as, as, as you know, many franchises hope to get there. But they have to understand that these guys – Many of these players on New England's roster have been other places and lost. It's it, there's there's no secret sauce. It's Bill Belichick and what he gets these guys to believe. So hopefully Cleveland doesn't go in there and they're they're already mentally beat before they arrive at Foxborough. That will be the biggest challenge: believing and understanding that they're on the same playing field. So, you guys heard me reference it at the beginning. I want to talk to you again about Axio Sports. Any team you love following in 2019 can be time consuming. So many different places: Yahoo, ESPN, Bleacher Report. Everything under the sun. There's so many sports illustrated. There's so many different outlets for content on your team. This is the thing that Axio Sports is trying to do is, you know, cut out the scrolling. So you don't have to go through every app or visit every website. You can get a daily newsletter on your favorite team delivered to you every single day with all of the pertinent information that you want. It's a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. It's a free sign up at sports.axios.com. You get the best NFL stories you could ever want. The World Series is going on. Get that information delivered to your inbox. And any NBA team you'd like as well, they can do that. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you that ability to stay informed at ample speed. Super simple. Sign up is free. Again, yes, sign up is free. Sports.axios.com. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you get caught up, You'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies, which is important. Pass that link around the office. Share that stat nobody else knows. You'll be the guy. Sign up again at sports.axios.com. That is, again, free 99. F-R-E-E. Free 99. Sports.axios.com. Take advantage of that newsletter, guys. So let's look at New England's personnel. So obviously, offensively, Tom Brady is going to be the spearhead. He's 11 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, completing 66% of his passes, 1,992 yards. All of the typical Tom Brady stuff, shorthanded as he may be shorthanded. He's been uh, only sacked 10 times, keeping him upright. Sonny Michelle, James White anchoring the backfield as Rex Burkhead has been in and out with injuries. Michelle has uh, 390 yards on 119 attempts, six touchdowns. He's their running workhorse, James White, 62 rushing yards on 21 attempts, very minimal. But he has 47 targets, 38 receptions. 283 yards. The Browns cannot sit back in zone and let them find James White early and often. He's a problem in the passing game, and Tom Brady loves to target him. He is second in overall team targets for this offense. Uh, next, you're looking at uh, Brandon Bolden. I should have mentioned Brandon Bolden. He also is another one of their running back uh, stables. He, he's, he's 13, carries 47 yards, two touchdowns. He actually has also nine targets, 111 receiving yards and a touchdown. So they're using him in Rex Burkhead's absence, and it looks like Burkhead will be out again this week. Other core parts of the receiving group, Julian Edelman, who, who from everything I've gathered is a little beat up. 
He has 68 total targets, 45 catches, 496 yards, two touchdowns. Philip Dorsett, 18 catches, 243 yards, four touchdowns. Josh Gordon just went to IR. Looks like his time with New England probably up. Had 20 catches, 287 yards, but they did trade for Mohamed Sanu um, from Atlanta. <clears throat> Gave up a second-round pick for him, so he might be an active part of this weekend, but I don't expect him to play much of a role. Jacoby Myers also 13 catches on 15 targets, 167 yards, and their tight end factor is Ryan Izzo. Um, six catches, 114 yards, one touchdown. I do think they will try to get tight ends more involved than they have been, so be prepared to see some of that. Um, but yeah, that's where they sit from the production of the offensive side of things. New England is stout up front. They start uh, Joe Tooney, uh, Ted Karras is your center, Marshall Newhouse your left tackle, Shaq Mason your right guard, Marcus Cannon your right tackle. Uh, as far as guys who did not participate in practice, Ryan Izzo, concussion, Trending toward out, Matt Lacoste trending toward out. It looks like Ben Watson might be the only uh, participant in terms of tight ends who will be a factor. Shaq Mason, uh, obviously the right guard there, looks like he will not be participating. New England is down a couple important offensive linemen uh, in, in already with season-ending injuries, so they're making it work with what they have. And um, you know, Dino Scarnecchia, their offensive line coach, does a great job making. You know, uh, the best of bad situations up front that New England has run into occasionally uh, recently. Otherwise, limited participants, Rex Burkhead, Patrick Chung, Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, all limited but probably trending toward playing. Defensively, the Patriots throw a wide variety of things at you. They play a lot of people up front. Michael Bennett comes back up front this week. Lawrence Guy will be an active part of that uh, interior edge presence. They play more 3-4, but they play some 2 4 Five stuff. Danny Shelton will get plenty of time at nose. John Simon will see some time. Former Buckeye. Jamie Collins is one of their better linebackers. Yes, that Jamie Collins. We'll talk about him later. Dante Hightower, Kyle Vinoy, still very, very good football players. Um, Alanda Roberts will get time in the middle. Jason McCourty, yep, that Jason McCourty will get time at corner. He starts opposite Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, and Jonathan Jones. See time. They play a ton of people. Patrick Chung will play probably. He's trending that direction. Devin McCourty also. But I'm just telling you, like, this is not a more talented person-for-person -person defense than what Cleveland has. But they just they play this scheme, and they play it extremely well. Jake Bailey um, is the punter holder. Um, you know, then uh, Mike Nugent, who they recently signed when Steven Goskowski went to uh, injured reserve, will be the place kicker. And then Gunnar Oslewski will do the punt returning and kick returning for New England. They uh, defensively are pretty ridiculous. They have uh, Jamie Collins with three interceptions, Stephon Gilmore with three interceptions, Devin McCourty with five interceptions. Both Collins and Gilmore have a touchdown. Um, then you have two from Deron Harmon with uh, a couple interceptions, J.C. Jackson with two. 18 total interceptions, which is pretty ridiculous, and um, you know multiple defensive touchdowns. They have four, seven fumbles. They have recovered five of those uh, fumbles that they have forced, uh, one of which was returned for a touchdown. They have 26 sacks on the season. Should have mentioned Chase Winovich. He's a part of that group up front, too. He has four sacks. Michigan rookie, uh, three John Simon sacks, four and a half Jamie Collins sacks. Already outproducing his time in Cleveland. Two from Dante Hightower, three and a half from Kyle Vinoy. Um, in terms of tackle leaders, McCall Collins and Jason McCourty lead them in tackles with 31 apiece. And um, boy, that's tough to see for Browns fans, those guys thriving in New England system. But it's spread out. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys with over 20 tackles. It's just a 
balanced, effective defense that rotates in a lot of pieces and truly understands what they're doing, where they need to be, how they need to get there. And um, we're going to talk at length about that defense, but it is a devastating group um, that has fear working in their favor. If the Browns can get into matchups they like with, with some of their better talent, there's no reason they can't man-for-man man beat these guys, but you have to get that talent into the right situations. That will be important, and we will talk about that here in just a bit. But before we get to our guest, I want to talk to you again about Indochino Custom Fit Menswear, which I believe is one of the best doing this. I'm a believer in Indochino, how their suits fit, how easy it is to get that suit. Needed one for a wedding recently. Couldn't have been a more simple process. Indochino is the largest made-to-measure sportswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. I obviously use them for a suit. The best part is they're affordable, and almost all of their custom clothing is under 400 bucks. Process is simple. Choose your fabric. Pick your customizations. Submit those measurements. Your package will be delivered to your door in two weeks. Mine came in under two weeks. Get measured. Design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all yourself. Enter those measurements online if you can get someone to work uh, you know, those measurements out for you. Start your upgrade now. $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com. Entering Blue Wire at checkout, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Shipping is free. That's a great plus. Shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal. The suit will last me so many years. You need it for interviews. You need it for other sorts of endeavors that involve professional wear. And the process is so simple. So I really cannot recommend these guys enough to get custom fit menswear suits delivered right to your door skip the process we are going in talking to multiple people and salespeople and upselling you just get those measurements enter them in delivered to your door they'll fix anything it's quick process indochino.com promo code blue wire you have no excuse not to wear clothing that doesn't fit right all righty we are over to our guest who i think will give us fantastic New England Insights. This is about a 20-minute interview. Went really well. think you're going to like it. You're going to know more about your opponent come Sunday afternoon. And let's get over to our interview. All right, so today's guest, I'm pretty excited to bring in uh, Mark Schofield, host over at Pat's Pulpit and the Sco Show. Does as good a work as you'll find on the internet, X's and O's. Former quarterback. We've had a lot of banter over the years. And, um, you know, when you're talking this ridiculously good New England Patriots team, Mark's the guy to bring in. So how you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, Jake. It's great to be with you. And excited to talk a little X's and O's, talk a little Pat's Browns with you tonight. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I, I'm probably more excited than most people are. Just It's a unique challenge. You know, Cleveland hasn't played New England in so long, um, and especially with where everyone thought Cleveland would be. Uh, it's a good litmus test to see if they are going to be able to figure this thing out in the second half of the year. So it should be a fun game. Whether it works out for Cleveland or not, it's fine. I want to see where Baker Mayfield is coming off into the second half after a bye week, all that stuff. And um, yeah, this is a great opportunity, and I'm sure New England's pumped about it too. A lot of ties back to Cleveland with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and the in the Northeast Ohio region. And um, it should be it should be a fun game. So I'll start throwing some questions at you, Mark. And um, and you 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 know you you elaborate these on as much as you want. I mean, it starts with their defense first and foremost. They have Tom Brady. They have the greatest quarterback to ever play, but it starts with their defense, which is setting historic numbers. They've only allowed three touchdowns, I believe. They have eighteen interceptions. Only allowed one passing touchdown. It's ridiculous. What what? Give me your quick barometer of, of how the hell they're doing this to start the year. 
Yeah, and I'll give you sort of the quick view and then we'll dive into it a little bit more. But it really sort of starts with depth and talent in the secondary. And, you know, if you think back to sort of this past summer when there was that debate that played out on the Twitter timeline in the football world about, you know, what matters more, pass rush or pass coverage. You know, I weighed in. It's one of the rare times I had shows to weigh in in one of these Twitter debates um, with a quote from Bill Belichick from 2014 when he illustrated in response to a question about Chandler Jones, the importance of having both the pass rush and the pass coverage work in sync. You can't have one be good um, if the other is bad because, say, for example, you have a great pass rush but bad secondary play, guys will still be open and quarterbacks can make plays. If you have great secondary play but no pass rush, guys are going to get open eventually and quarterbacks will be able to make plays. And so they have to work together. And so it starts with their ability in the secondary. They've got talent. They've got depth. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Jones, Jason McCordy, J.C. Jackson. They can mix and match the coverage schemes based on the skill sets and the traits of the wide receivers they're going against. So they can sort of pick the matchups and the coverages that they want and then roll from there. They have the confidence and the ability of the, in those guys to play cover one, cover zero. We saw a ton of blitz looks on Monday night, for example, against Sam Darnold. And so that allows them to do some different things up front where they can show some pressure schemes, they can mix and match, they can show you some mud, mug looks and then drop off of it and really start confusing quarterbacks. And so the talent and the depth in the secondary has really enabled them to do a lot of different things up front. It's enabled them to play the sort of press man, cover one, cover zero stuff that they want to play. And that's where it really begins, Jake. It's in the secondary. Now they have talent up front, to be sure. They have talent at the second level, of course. Some ex-Browns players in both of those units. Um, but it's really the secondary that has made this defense go so far. Yeah, I think I think we'll talk about those Browns players because I, I would imagine most of our fan base is interested in how how um, you know those guys are playing so well and functioning within a unit. And, and I look at the schedule, Mark. They open with Pittsburgh, who had a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, his only healthy you know uh, game of the year. And then it's, I mean, you know, people are going to point to the fact that they played Miami, they played the Jets twice, they played the Redskins, they played. Uh, the Giants starting a rookie quarter. They haven't really. Let me ask you this. Let me put it this way: Have you? Would you consider the Browns their best test of 2019? Off, even though the Browns aren't playing great offensive football, is this the best test they've seen? You know, there's a strong case to be made that it's either Cleveland or that Buffalo game. And now the Buffalo game is probably their best overall test because that defense is playing extremely well. But I think sort of from a talent base, um, from a talent based perspective, this is probably the toughest offense that they've faced yet. You know, when you look at the weapons that Cleveland has in the offensive huddle, when you look at the ability of Baker Mayfield to get it going at times, when you look at Freddie Kitchens and his ability to sort of dial some things up that have caused defenses problems. Look, for example, a couple of weeks ago, what you know Cleveland was able to do against the Baltimore Ravens, and now that was a defense that was perhaps struggling at that time, but still Baltimore is known for having a good defensive unit. You know, this is probably going to be the toughest test this defense has faced. You know, Josh Allen made a couple of throws against them. Daniel Jones made a couple of throws against them. But you don't haven't seen sort of sustained success, you know, from forget games, you know, in terms of a single drive against this defense yet. So, you know, I certainly think, you know, you said this is sort of a litmus test game for Cleveland. I think in a sense it's a litmus test game for the Patriots and perhaps their defense because, you know, now you're going to get some talent on the other side of the ball to go up against. And, you know, we'll see if the numbers that the Patriots defense has put together to date, you know, hold on Sunday. 
Yeah, some of these numbers are ridiculous in terms of what the defense has done against, or Bill Belichick specifically has done against first and second year quarterbacks, which is, I think I saw 19 straight wins against first or second year quarterbacks. And then you look at, uh, I'm not sure how much Josh Rosen played when they played Miami there week two, maybe a little bit, maybe none, I'm not sure. But they've certainly played Luke Falk, they played Josh Allen year two. Uh, then obviously Daniel Jones, and then they got Sam Darnold. With Baker Mayfield, Mark, you, you've probably followed from afar, maybe even dug in and wrote something on this. I'm not sure. You're writing at 100 different spots, as good as your stuff is. But, you know, with Mayfield, really what he's struggling with is working from read one to read two and in, in in, in, in deciphering what is going on between pre-snap look to post-snap look. Now, New England's obviously super effective, as you pointed out, and I've tried to point out this week to the fan base at that sugar blitz, you know, simulated pressures, while also saying, hey, we're going to also bring seven guys sometime, so you have to really be prepared for that, that cover zero, cover one. But do you expect maybe in a short week, as Belichick looks at the film and says, hey man, Mayfield is extremely, extremely, I don't know if extremely, I wouldn't put it extremely, I would say he's, he's really struggling with the ability to take a simulated pressure look and decipher where that movement is going. Do you think he stays true to his roots and continues to come after people and continues to play a lot of empty empty middle-of-the-field cover zero look stuff and challenge them? Uh, or does he say, you know, they got Odell Beckham, they got Jarvis Landry, some guys who can make some plays in the open field here. Maybe we should disguise some looks up front and drop into zone a little bit more and make Mayfield beat us with his arm while thinking he's getting pressured. Is that something you think he might do? Or do you think, like I said, he's just going to pin the ears back and do what he does? You know, trying to get into Belichick's head is always a tough proposition because I've tried to put together potential game plans, things that I think he'll come out and do and just been blown away because he goes in a completely different direction. You know, with that being said, Jake, I think there's something to the idea that while they've been a cover one, cover zero heavy team, they had, you know, 11-0 blitzes just Monday night against Sam Darnold. And I think Darnold was like four for 10 or something like that on those throws with a couple of interceptions. You know, that's where they want to be. You know, they might show some more cover one or even cover two. They've they've done that at times. And that's something they did against Daniel Jones on the Thursday nighter. They had showed him a lot of cover one, you know, a couple of cover zero looks. But on one of the interceptions, the one from Stephon Gilmore, you know, they spun it from a single high look to a cover two look man underneath. You know, Daniel Jones didn't read it right. And he basically threw it right between the two and the four on Gilmore's jersey. And so they've done some of that where they'll spin them and show the quarterback a little bit of a different look post-snap. I expect we see some of that. You know, that is one of the things that Bill Belichick likes to do with younger quarterbacks is to sort of try and confuse them and show them something they're probably not going to be expecting. And, you know, we've seen Bill Belichick in the past when he goes up against talented receivers, you know, the guys that you would put at the top of the echelon, you know, as far as wide receiver tiers go, you know, an Antonio Brown or a guy like Odell Beckham, you might see some dedicated safety help over the top. You know, you might see Stephon Gilmore on him at times, but you might see a, a Jonathan Jones on Odell at times or even a Jason McCourty with Devin McCourty giving some dedicated safety help. So you might see some more too high looks as a result of that as well. So we might see some different stuff. I don't think it's going to be the pure cover one, cover zero stuff. I think Belichick's going to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, I know they got uh, Josh Allen on a post there with some cover two look as well. They've they've been good. I mean, it's not like they're only good when they pin their ears back and, and, uh, and send pressure. They can sit in coverage and do, you know, do exceptional things there too. It's like... You know, with Mayfield, to me, it seems like there's so much pressure for him to get rid of the football and be one step ahead of people that he's pressing. And when, you know, you can simulate pressures and New England already has a reputation, you know, the Sam Darnold on the sideline talking about seeing ghosts, um, that, that stuff is real as a quarterback when you feel like things are hovering around you. And Mayfield, 
if I'm looking at the film, Mayfield's a guy who's going to try to get rid of the ball quick and try to be one step ahead of their blitz. And it's like, it scares me to death thinking about them, you know, sending those sort of delayed pressure looks where they fall out late because it's tough to see that as a shorter quarterback. Guys you think are coming and you think are accountable to be blitz guys and then they bail out in the passing lane. So this is probably, Mark, the worst matchup for Mayfield <laughs> as this defense is for anybody yeah, right now, but it is the worst it, matchup for Mayfield. Yeah, it, it's a tough matchup for any quarterback. And another thing that they do so well out of those mug looks is, you know, they'll, they'll use their rain blitz technique, which is basically they've got both linebackers up and now they're going to come B gaps, but they're reading the center which way he fans. And so if the, you know, if the center fans to you, you drop. So if the center fans away from you, you're coming. Yeah. You know, that's their sort of rain look. And they, they've run that a lot. There's actually a tweet that came out where there's a great example of it. Brad Kelly, I believe it was mm-hmm. one of the plays where Monday night um, where actually Danny Shelton got a hit on Donald and got flagged for a rough in the passer. But it gives you a good look at that sort of rain technique where, like I said, they have both linebackers down there read in the center, whichever way they slide the protection. You know, that guy will drop and the other guy goes and tries to exploit that hole now in the B gap um, with some speed. And they like to do that with Jamie Collins at times. They like to do it with Kyle Van Noy. Dante Hightower and so that's another thing where you might think as a quarterback we heard it so much Monday night where you know Booker McFarland was trying to say you've got to make sure you got the protection set you might think you've got it set but they still have a way to sort of beat that in the post-snap phase when there's nothing else you can do and so you might have to use some max protection looks you might have to go heavy you know have 12 personnel looks maybe some 21 personnel looks keep guys in run some two receiver max protection type of concepts so you know you've got bodies to block the guys that are coming even though you know, they're going to try to do something different after the snap. You know that we've got enough to protect what they're coming with. Yeah, I just wouldn't think there's anybody in the league right now who schemes up offensive line protection stuff as well as as well as well Belichick does. He's going to manipulate which way the quarterback's going to slide him. And, uh, um, you know, there was no better example. Like you said, Brad Kelly put out some great stuff on what he got what he got Sam Darnold to do with his offensive line and how that worked out perfectly. And, and you're right. I think when you look at the film, they're not a team that you can run zone against. I think they're a team that you have to move linemen. I think you have to pin pull them. You have to fold them. You have to occasionally, when you get the right two down linemen, look, you can trap them. But uh, I think the Browns have to give if, – if the Browns are going to be in this game, it has to be a 25-carry Nick Chubb type of effort with success. He has to be running the ball relatively well. They have to be able to play action off of that, like you said, out of 21 and 12 personnel where they're using multiple blockers to help Mayfield out and get a chip and different things of that nature. And um, I just don't think you can continue to do what they have been doing, which is zone – zone, and they run the football well. They've zone schemed people. They're an outside zone, wide zone team. But I think you need to be different. I think you need to get the you need to get New England, uh, you know, a little bit unprepared this week. Try to catch them in some advantageous runs, and you cannot put yourself against predictable pass situations. I just don't think that's going to bode well for anybody. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. If you're if you're thinking how you beat this New England defense, is there anything else there that I'm missing? What else is, uh, you know, what other things can teams try to do to that look? No, I mean, I think you certainly have to try to sort of keep them guessing as much as you can. I think you have to stay sort of ahead of the sticks and on schedule as much as you can. You know, another thing to sort of think about when you start talking about 21 and 12 personnel groupings and personnel packages is, you know, you want to try to attack the linebackers as much as you can in the passing game. You know, the secondary is deep. It's talented. It's multivaried. You know, they've got great skill sets back there. And the linebackers are good. You know, but that's probably your best bet is trying to get some of the tight ends, you know, maybe a Nick Chubb situation, getting him isolated on, you know, Dante Hightower out of the backfield, the Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins. These are athletic linebackers, but like most linebackers, you know, 
coverage isn't exactly their best skill set, their best trait. And so I think you need to get the running backs involved in the in the passing game as much as you can. You know, and I think at other times you want to sort of spread it out a little bit, um, try to get them working sideline to sideline. I think you need to return to some mesh stuff at times, um, crossing routes, mesh concepts of giving the Patriots, you know, some difficulty over the years, even a little bit this year. Um, those are tough routes to defend as a corner, especially if you're playing, you know, tight man coverage. You don't want to get beat deep, especially cover zero situation. You might get susceptible to something working away from you on a shallow. So, yeah. you know, those are things I think you need to incorporate as much as you can. Yeah, good stuff. I think that 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 sort of using the whole 53 is important. Can't bunch too many formations up because I think that allows them to use so many of their mirrored pressure looks or, you know, deceptive muddled sugar stuff that that really messes with your mind as a quarterback. I, you know, I keep saying this mark about New England that they are they they play better than the collection as a collection than they are as an individual part. And that's so rare in the NFL and in college football. You know, so many teams have better individual parts, and I would consider that Cleveland right now is in a better individual parts than a collective whole. Like the collective whole with New England, especially on the defensive side, and we'll talk offense in a minute. But on the defensive side, is is uh, is 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 as good as you're going to find in the league through seven weeks, maybe historically. Now. That that includes names such as Browns have fans have come used to Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Jason McCourty, who you mentioned. You know, we'll start with. We don't really need to. I think Danny Shelton's doing a lot of what he did in Cleveland. He's just doing it well, and he's playing with a a scheme that is asking him to do things. Danny Shelton's good at, and I think Jason McCourty was fine in Cleveland too. I think Cleveland just had a casualty where they wanted to go young at the position and. It worked out for for both teams in that regard. I want to focus on Jamie Collins. He was an off-ball linebacker and a three-linebacker look predominantly under Greg Williams. He goes to New England. He's all of a sudden, I don't know, through seven weeks, like in some defensive MVP conversations. Like, how are they using him differently, and what makes him a better player in New England than what made him, you know, than what he was in in, in Cleveland? Yeah, you know, his, you know, Jamie Collins 2.0 has been sort of a, a big revelation, you know, for the Patriots this year. And, you know, I think it's important to sort of look back at his first time in New England and sort of what got him, you know, run out of town in a sense. And that was his his willingness to freelance, you know, his willingness to sort of go off script, which while he's athletic, it worked at times. It didn't always work for him and within the confines of the, you know, the New England defense and what they were trying to do conceptually. And what we're seeing now from him is a much more disciplined player. We're seeing him do some of the little things where you can see that buy-in where, you know, he's setting the edge against wide zone and outside zone, knowing that, you know, his job is to turn it back to the inside. His job isn't to sort of crash inside and try to make a tackle for a loss. His job is to set the edge, turn it inside, and bounce it inside to a Roberts or a Hightower or, or Jawan Bentley so they can get a tackle for a one-yard gain. And he's doing the little things like that that have made him effective. They're using him as a decoy at times. We saw you know, one of the pressure looks against Sam Darnold, you know, they blitzed him off the inside, sort of the B gap, you know, they, they fan the protection towards him. It leaves John Simon unblocked off the edge and he gets a strip sack, which Kyle Van Noy recovers. You know, so he's doing some of the little things that won't show up in stat sheets and won't goose his numbers, but they're very effective for what this defense is trying to do. And so that's what I've really seen from him, Jake, is sort of a willingness to do the little things, to do the disciplined things that, like I said, won't show up on a stat sheet, but they're making him a, a huge part of what this defense is able to do in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I find it fascinating because Jamie was used so differently in Cleveland. And, um, you know, it's just using your defensive personnel to their best skill set. It's not rocket science. We talk about it all the time, but it's fascinating what they've gotten out of him. Now, um, 
let's switch to the other side. I don't think people are talking about their offense. Like I said earlier, you know, Tom Brady is the the best to ever lace up cleats, and and you have a defense who gets all the vibe. And I I think I saw something like if the if the New England offense didn't even touch the field, they'd be three and three, which is just ridiculous, yep. or something like I don't know. They played seven games, three and four, four and three. I don't yeah, know. three three and one, three three and one. Gotcha. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So, but yeah, they're still putting up points. I mean, some of them are a product of the defense and getting ridiculously good field position. I think they blocked a punt against Buffalo, and and every game has been pretty wide distance, other than the Buffalo game. And I consider Buffalo to have the second best defense in the NFL. So, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. And, and you know, people talk about the schedule, and, and that's fine. But you can only play who's on the schedule, and you can only do what you can do against those guys, and they've done it. They've, they've dominated as best you can dominate anybody. But, like, offensively, um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm looking for – I haven't looked at that side of the ball because I really don't write a ton – about opposing offenses, but I'm, I'm interested in sort of where they're at. I know they're down Rex Burkhead maybe another week. James White, Sony Michelle still doing their thing. I think that I read today Josh Gordon's out, but they have Muhammad Sanu. So sort of where are they offensively? And, um, you know, Cleveland gets their two young corners back. They should be a better secondary, so be able to mix up some of what they're doing coverage-wise. But what do you expect to see from them Sunday in terms of where New England's offense is going and where they ultimately want to be by the end of the year? You know, I think you sort of – framed it perfectly there jake because i think they're still trying to figure out where they're going offensively and where they want to be by the end of the year because you know that's been sort of the hallmark of you know the patriots organizationally on and on both sides of the ball for the past couple of years and during the belichick era which is you know they want to figure out in september and october where they are so they know they're playing their best football in november december or january and they're still trying to figure out sort of an offensive identity I think coming into this season, we expected them to be more of that 21 personnel team that we saw down the stretch last year. A lot of gap and power stuff with James Devlin leading the way for Sonny Michelle. Play action concepts built off of that. A lot of you know play action lead stuff when you're throwing that crosser to Julian Edelman working behind the linebackers. That's who they were in the playoffs. Now they still have the ability to spread it out like they did in overtime against Kansas City. But when push came to shove... The only touchdown drive in Super Bowl 53, they were 22 personnel running Haas, Juke, three times in a row. You know, that's what they were doing. They were more of a heavy personnel team. I think with, you know, the loss of Gronkowski, you know, it made it a little bit more difficult to do that. And then with the loss of James Devlin and then Jakob Johnson, their backup fullback, it's made it near impossible to have that kind of look. They tried it a little bit with Eric Tomlinson, a reserve tight end. They signed off the street last week, but he's now been released. And so I think that part of the game plan is out. I think they're more of a 10 or 11 personnel team. You know, we're seeing a lot of four wide receiver looks. They've had a lot of 20, their pony package as well, where it's, you know, sometimes James White and Rex Burkhead. Since Burkhead's been out, it's been more uh, James White and Brandon Bolden package, where they're still trying to figure out what it is that they do best. I, I think in this game and probably where they're going to end up, Jake, is a 20 or a 10 personnel team. You know, we'll get some stuff from Ben Watson here and there. Uh, but I think they're going to rely on the running backs and then some more spread looks with the acquisition of Sanu, the emergence of Jacoby Myers, obviously Julian Edelman doing what he does. And Philip Dorsett has been, you know, a big member of the Brady circle of trust this year. And so that's where I think they're going to eventually end up is this 20 and 10 personnel team that relies on the running backs and a cadre of receivers to piece things together. Yeah, I think it, it's <laughs> – it's interesting where New England is offensively and what the Browns see. I mean, the Browns don't stop the run very well right now, and I think that that's something New England will key in on. Although, like you said, it can't come with a heavier set, but it, it's you know the running the running back passing game stuff. New England has to be. 
it's it's interesting to me because Cleveland has to be able to to slow New England's offense down. It can't be a, a couple cheap touchdowns for New England's offense and Cleveland score and Cleveland can't muster anything offensively. I think they have to really stymie. I think the Bills held them to what 225 yards total. I think that has to be they have yeah. to keep they have to keep them under 300 some way. They have to find some way to do that. I would imagine getting an extra week they'll be able to throw something different at Tom and maybe slow him down a little bit. I don't know, but they're going to need to get after the quarterback and like you said, pass coverage is going to have to hold up for them to get after the quarterback. Right. But their interior is not playing very well right now. Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. So how New England manipulates them, they do a lot of different moving interior linemen stuff, which will be uh, tough for Cleveland to handle, especially with with Mac Wilson, who's not a great run game linebacker right now. I don't know. I don't know how Cleveland's defensive game plan is going to look. It could look completely different than what we became accustomed to. But I'm fascinated, Mark. You know, New England goes to Baltimore next week. Then they get a bye, and then they got Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. It's a tough gauntlet for about five weeks, six weeks. We'll find out who New England is before they close pretty they go Cincinnati and, and, and Miami to close, but they have Buffalo mixed in. That Week 16 game will be fun for the division over there. So, um, look, man, this is this is as good as inside as we can find on New England. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know Mark is – I could have probably spent another – we tried to go 15 minutes. It's 22 minutes. Spent most of it on the defense, but when they're record-breaking group right now, you got to talk about them. And, uh, you know, the Browns offense is going to try to figure out how the hell they get back on track, and it's going to be as tough a challenge. What are they – I think I saw they haven't lost a home game since – October 1st, 2017, among many other wild stats. They've only lost one in their last a million games when Edelman and and Brady are both playing. It's an uphill task, Browns fans. I'm just telling you that. So uh, it's good, though. It's good. It's it's why they they still – New England puts their pants on the same way Cleveland does. So we'll find out a lot about Cleveland. Mark, thanks for joining me, buddy. I really, man, really appreciate you taking some time. Of course, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. And like you said, we could have gone another 45 minutes to an hour easy. (laughs) <laughs> it is, man. When you get good football conversation, this stuff flies. So follow Mark at Mark Schofield there on Twitter. He does. If you're interested in New England content, he's putting out a ton of stuff. He's on Football Outsiders, among many, many other places that he's writing good football stuff. So a big thanks to Mark for jumping on. A big thanks to you guys for following along. Really appreciate you guys listening. Follow us on iTunes. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. We're going to have something behind enemy lines on Friday at the OBR, and then we will get uh, a, a post game reaction. It'll be a little later in the evening because it's a 4:20 five kick and uh, we'll decipher what happened and how it happened so again thanks to mark thanks to you guys for listening and as usual go browns this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.